Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Megan's podcast drops a spot and drops it hot. And William gets told he should lose a royal title. And Kate's newest jewelry acquisition raises some eyebrows. I'm Jack Royston, Newsweek's chief royal correspondent. And I'm Kristen Meinzer, a royal watcher based in the U.S. And this is Newsweek's Royal Report. Hello, Jack. Hello, listeners. And hello to the team behind Spotify's podcast charts. This past week, those charts experienced a shakeup when Megan's own Spotify show Archetypes dropped from its number one spot down to 28. The latest episode about female sexuality is also at number 69 in the episode by episode charts, but podcasting 69. is a <laughs> Oh my God, I didn't even realize. It's not just about how many people are listening to your newest episode. It's also about how many people are listening to your show overall. And when you have thousands of episodes, that's a lot more you know, hours people are listening to. I'll also add, to even break into the top 200 is considered a major achievement for any show because there are currently well over 2 million shows that are in existence. So breaking into the top 200 is like the 1% of the 1% of the 1%. And I've got to ask you, Kristen, did you see the episode the other week with Jamila Jamil on it, who is, for those who don't know, she's an actress, she's in The Good Place, but she also once called Prince Andrew an alleged resident pedo a couple of years ago. Um, that was when she was saying the royals shouldn't be embarrassed of Meghan. Yes. In the Archetypes podcast, Jamil explained um, why she was defending Meghan so fiercely back then. She said, I fought back on your behalf years before I'd ever met you because I was so outraged by it. So outraged with the twisting of this very normal, very kind, very civilized woman that demonization just shows how afraid they are of you, and I'm so sorry that you've had to withstand it. It has re-highlighted for us the intense unkindness and bigotry and misogyny of our media. And uh, to that I say, snaps, Jamila Jamil. I can't snap, so I'll just let you do the snapping. Hold on a minute. Wait, wait, wait. You can't snap. I, no, <laughs> I don't can't know snap your My fingers. fingers don't work in that way. This is like See, my wife can't whistle. Oh. Like I just don't understand how you can go through life and not pick up these skills. But fine. <laughs> but here's a snap. There you go. That's a snap. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but yes, I, I do agree with Jamila Jamil. I have said it before. I'll say it again. To constantly talk about Megan being an embarrassment when we have Prince Andrew right there. Hello. He's the bigger embarrassment, the man who supposedly cannot sweat and who is an alleged rapist. Like, come on. Because what did Megan do? Because she encouraged people to get out the vote. That's what all of this was about, by the way, originally. Like, oh, she's too political. She's trying to do, you know, uh, voter awareness and so on. Oh, that's so terrible. What an embarrassment. Really? That's embarrassing compared to Prince Andrew? Mm -mm. I don't think so. No. 
And now Megan thanked Jamila Jamil, but she didn't give us her opinions on Prince Andrew, which would be fascinating to hear. This is the one thing Harry and Megan have never, they've never touched, obviously, with all the bombshells. They've never touched what they actually think about Prince Andrew. Obviously, they, well, I mean, Harry is cousins of his daughters as well as Andrew being his uncle, but Megan is also, uh, you know, she's a, she's a, a friend of Eugenie's. So it's difficult territory for them. Um, but I think that act of having Jamila Jamil on the show probably gives a bit of an indication of where she stands on the subject. And also, um, she kind of made like what I, I, you know, she does these little implicit references. She did a really subtle implicit reference to um, Jamila Jamil's clap back to the journalist who criticized her at the time. Um, and said, you know, oh, she's Megan's friend, blah, 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 blah. And uh, Megan said that they've only met twice now. This, I think, being yes. one of those two times. Yeah, I, I don't think it's that subtle. I think it's very clear Megan um, is taking sides here. She she has not gone on the record. Harry has not gone on the record to talk about disgraced Prince Andrew. And, um, you know, I, I understand why they just don't even want to wade into those waters. They're like, ugh, this is disgusting. We don't even want to deal with this. I, I understand their desire to, you know, distance themselves from that. But I do think this is... Yeah, I, th- I think this is a way of kind of saying how she feels, how Megan feels about this without having to actually say it. I think it's really interesting as well to think that Harry, it must be so weird for Harry being constantly compared to Andrew, you know, like where there's an argument about military oh, uniforms and it's him yeah. compared to Andrew. Yeah, so the spare, but also just the kind of, you know, <clears throat> Andrew's quit royal life and he's quit royal life, but obviously Andrew was kind of forced to resign in disgrace, whereas Harry and Meghan quit um, because they didn't want to be part of the royal um, circus anymore, but there's like it's this constant positioning when the two are being compared. So it was the same at Prince Philip's funeral um, back in 2021. It was you know Andrew wanted to go in an admiral's uniform, and obviously that wasn't couldn't be allowed. But then that meant Harry couldn't wear his uniform either. So it's like it's this constant thing where at every turn when a decision has to be made, whatever decision gets made about Andrew gets made about Harry too. Um, but their stories are so drastically different. The kind of the point of genuine comparison beyond both being the spare is that they've both, under very different circumstances, quit royal duties. Yeah, I mean, I would argue that Andrew didn't quit royal duties. No, he didn't. Quit, no. <laughs> um, unless you want to say he he was playing the long game and decades ago was like. I'm going to do terrible, terrible things. <laughs> well, they did say when um, when Charles's uh, head of his charity first stepped down, they said that he had temporarily quit. So maybe Andrew thought that he was temporarily quitting, uh, which I think was mm. a new concept to the world of HR. <laughs> I enjoyed the fact that Jamila Jamil was on the show because, you know, I mean, I do think that this is um, a way for Megan to be able to share her opinion, to have people on who have had her back. And a lot of people honestly have had Megan's back. I think that the British tabloids in particular like to depict the world as everybody hates Megan. Um, but in fact, there are a lot of people who've had her back and a lot of people who have been very, very critical of Prince Andrew, um, in my opinion, rightfully so. Uh, so yeah, I think it's great that Megan had her on. I've got to say, though, I was really interested in the most recent episode, which is, so every episode of Archetypes picks a particular label and then dissects that label, and that's the format. But they did something slightly different with the most recent one, which 
feels like it was probably supposed to be about one of the labels mentioned in the very first episode, which gave reeled off a list like you know Diva, the B word, which all which both materialised, but then also mm-hmm. suggested that there might at some point be an episode about the label Slut. And Mm -hmm. this particular episode feels like it was meant to be that label, but for some reason they've pivoted and they've built the title around um, going beyond the archetype to the human being. Um, So for some reason they've not gone for it. They've kind of gone half in because there's a lot. It's Candice Bushnell who obviously had the column that inspired the show Sex and the City, although she reveals in in the podcast that she actually made no money out of this. Um, And she talks a little bit about female sexuality and the way that, you know, the women that she kind of wrote about in the 90s broke the mold. Um, And then she has Michaela J. Rodriguez and Megan kind of gives this little mini speech uh, talking to Makeda saying you know that a woman can be in her 50s and working in finance and somebody will still and be really successful and someone will still pop up and say oh but she was a slut in college so it really feels like this was that episode and I'd be really fascinated to know why they pulled out of actually framing it in that way yeah and I thought that if anything they would do the same thing they did with the b word episode you know the one about you know, being a bitch, like, oh, okay, maybe they don't want to say the word, but at least they'll say the S word or SL dash dash or something in the title of the episode. That's what I thought they would do. It's like, oh, you know, they're they're trying to walk a delicate line here. Um, they're trying to not be under the explicit rating. You know, a lot of podcasts have to mark themselves as explicit and family friendly and so on. And so maybe they were trying to avoid that. But um, I I really thought that, you know, if you're trying to destigmatize the slut label, then just call it the slut episode or the S dash 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 episode. It's like you're not really destigmatizing it when you are, you know, kind of going at the topic sideways that way, in my opinion. You know, I, I understand I, I understand the desire to not say certain words out loud. Certain words, in my opinion, I just would never say out loud, like the N word, for example, you know, some some words we don't say out loud. Um, but I, I feel that with the word slut, since they actually say it in the episode, they should have just framed it around that and made it explicit that that's what it was about. It also really feels like a final episode when I think we are supposed to have one more next week. But going beyond the archetype has a real like final episode conclusion wrapping everything up yes. feel to it um so i'm really interested to see what they actually do do next week like how do you follow that yeah i'm curious too i mean i wonder um if she'll turn the microphone more toward herself it if it'll be about something like the word princess you know um that's that's something that has occurred to me, and I would love it if she went in that direction. Uh, princess comes with a lot of baggage for those of us who are not royal. It it means you know a lot of things that are usually quite insulting when we use the word princess, right? Um, so so I think that would be really interesting. Yeah, yeah, that would be a great episode, and then yeah, she could kind of interview herself. <laughs> Which uh, yes, <laughs> it's like or go crazy and have Beatrice and Eugenie on with her. That you would know? be amazing. I hope that's what they do. I hope they have Eugenie and Beatrice. Yeah, that'd be brilliant talking about being a princess. Who knows? Maybe that's oh, Kate. Yeah. <sighs> Finally, yes. the rift healed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to take a quick break. But before we do, a reminder to rate us and review us in Spotify. That's right. Spotify again. Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite shows. When we're back, I'll look at 
Charles, William, and the World Cup. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hi, everyone, and we're back with a look at the FIFA World Cup in Qatar, and particularly how Prince William and also Charles are facing criticism during this event, which is already facing so much criticism anyway over everything from human rights abuses, workers dying during the building of stadiums, homophobia, the policing of women spectators' bodies, and more. Yes, there is so much to criticize during these games. Uh, People around the world are protesting them, and uh, rightfully so, in my opinion. But one person who is not protesting those games is former Manchester United footballer Gary Neville. He is currently working with the Qatari broadcaster B in Sports. And in a recent interview, he didn't just defend his decision to do that. He also said that William and Charles may be uh, practicing some double standards right now. Yeah, he kind of said, you know, if you're going to have a go at me, you've got to have a go at them too. Um, And he told ITV, if Prince William doesn't want to come to this tournament, but he's okay with his father taking charitable donations, that's fine. If the political MPs don't want to come over, but are happy to take money from them in our country for for their political parties, that's fine with me. I always see it as footballers and ex-footballers coming under criticism. So he's kind of saying, like, why are you always having a go at the footballers? David Beckham uh, has been in the papers as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's kind of saying, well, look at, you know, look at Charles. He took all that money for his charity. Yes, uh, we have covered this on the show. Reminder, he accepted, he being Charles, accepted £2.5 million in donations to the Prince of Wales Charitable Fund when he was the Prince of Wales from the ex qatari Prime Minister. So that's no small beans right there. That's a lot of money. But it is not just Gary Neville. The actor Michael Sheen, who is obviously massive in Britain, um, used the World Cup to trigger a debate about Prince William being the new Prince of Wales. So he said it seems inappropriate for uh, anyone who's not Welsh to hold the title Prince of Wales. But he particularly used the fact that William had done this big event giving out football shirts to the England football team before they were due to fly off to Qatar as a way of triggering this conversation. He added later that it, you know, it really actually, from his point of view, doesn't matter whether William supports England or Wales or both. He just simply thinks that an Englishman shouldn't be able to just, you know, be given or adopt the title Prince of Wales without having any actual proper formal connection to the Welsh people. So this feels to me like it's actually going quite fundamentally to the core, not just of William's new role, this is a title he was given after the Queen died, but also to a really fundamental part of royal tradition. Because the direct heir to the throne, the person who's going to be king next, they are always called the Prince of Wales. Um, Obviously, it was Charles's title before it was William's. So this really is going to the heart of the way that monarchy works. Yeah. And I personally think Sheen is totally making a fair point here. And one that maybe those of us in the States um, haven't necessarily really examined very much. And um, 
for those of us in the States, at least, it's a lot more obvious when British royals are given sudden titles in Asia or Africa. It's like so obviously like, where did that title come from? What? (laughs) But, you know, it's just as valid when we're talking about Wales. And, you know, they're not Welsh. Why are you getting this title? Uh, It's also, in my mind, similar to all of those military titles. Those of us here in the U.S. kind of shook our heads when we saw at, you know, the Queen's funeral, uh, all these members of the royal family, like Anne, who has never served a day in her life wearing full military regalia. And meanwhile, Harry's there in a morning suit, like, hold on, what what has Anne ever done in the military? Has she done anything in the military? Oh, she hasn't. No, she's just kind of dressed up like Sergeant Pepper for no reason. So um, that's kind of, I think, in the same vein for a lot of the world, like, what is this dog and pony show? You're the Prince of Wales, but you're not Welsh. And by William's own admission, he doesn't even speak Welsh. Um, it's just this inherited title. Yeah, it's going to be a hard one to defend. And William has spent the last year really kind of like going quite hard on supporting the England football team. He's the president of the Football Association, which is kind of like the governing body of English and Welsh football. Um, and he, you know, he's been taking George along to see games. He's been very like openly cheering and celebrating England. Um, it feels like he's working quite hard to build a real relationship with English football fans off the pitch too, because he's done some interviews about mental health with some really big footballers. And this now feels like between this and all of the moral issues surrounding and Qatar itself you know he's not out there now he did this one event with the English football team but he's been very low-key since he wished uh, luck to both England and Wales in two messages one written in English and one written written in Welsh and now that's kind of been it really so uh, it'll be really interesting to see let's say England start to get quite far will he just say ah forget it all and start supporting them again really visibly or is has this just blown up all, all that time that he put into building this connection and relationship with English football fans um, it feels like a big part of his kind of more modern identity as a member of the royal family so it would be a massive loss to him but on the other hand he kind of can't just ignore what I think is the opinion of actually quite a significant number of Welsh people he was actually asked about it um, around about a day after Michael Sheen put his first tweet online William was by chance visiting the Welsh Parliament anyway and got asked about it in person face to face and so he got a kind of opportunity to explain it um, and explained that it was a difficult situation for him and he wanted to support both teams. But also that does kind of show that it's not just Michael Sheen who thinks this. Yeah, and I'll be curious, you know, if this will have any effect on things going forward. Will it happen at some point that, you know, that title will change? I don't know. This title has been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. What do you think, Jack? I think it would have to be dragged off them kicking and screaming. And I think I think what will happen is if there's any hint of England doing well in this tournament, William will just say, forget it. And he will wind up reverting back to supporting England. But he, there is a cost to that. Nothing is free. And the cost to that is he might start to become less popular in Wales. And the slight danger here is there's a couple of other demographic groups in society where William is not that popular. And if he starts adding more and more names to that team sheet, then as time goes on, and I'm not talking about one year, two year, I'm talking about like maybe 10 years, 20 years, as he gets closer to the beginning of his own reign, he might find that he has started to whittle down what is actually like quite a large bank reservoir of goodwill among the British people. But at the same time, it might be large now 
but also if you start to chip into it and eat away at it, particularly among young people, then as the decades pass, it can start to flow away quite fast. Yes. So I think, I think realistically, he will come out behind the England team if they do well, but he will pay a price for doing so. Wow. I have a suggestion for you, William. Um, you have a sister-in-law. You may have heard of her, Megan. She's from the USA. We have a great team. You can just cheer for them. Just cheer for Team USA. Do that. <laughs> I actually saw. Do you see the Team USA player who had It's Called Soccer written on his T-shirt? Not the not his actual <laughs> football shirt, but the T-shirt he was wearing underneath. And he scored and then he pulled up his shirt and he said, it said It's Called Soccer underneath. Oh my it. I gosh. have to say, that was a very funny joke. I missed that. That's so funny. Oh my gosh. I missed that. <laughs> I have to ask you that, Kristen, as well, I'm really interested to know so what how strongly fixed do you think it is in american people's minds the distinction between england and wales versus the united kingdom like is there something people have a prop, proper handle on no absolutely not because <laughs> <laughs> it's confusing right like i feel like it's confusing for british people up until a certain age oh yeah like, i think it's very confusing and then like it's called united kingdom but then also yeah. britain and then Great yeah, yeah, Britain yeah. and people are British, but they're not United Kingdomans. Um, you know, there's just like all this terminology. It's like, why are there so many words for the same thing? And then there's all these different things underneath that thing. And so I, I would say it's pretty confusing for a lot of people in the States. And I would say also people outside the States, you know. Um, yeah, right. We, yeah. we actually went to Wales the other day and we crossed over by car into Wales. And my son was like, well do I get a stamp on my passport? Like we're in a different country now. What's the deal? Um, so obviously no. Question. You don't get a st- that is a good question though. <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. Yeah. And you do it nowadays. It's called the Prince of Wales Bridge, um, which was actually named when it was Charles, but obviously is now William. And um, yeah, no, you don't get, you don't get a stamp on your passport. It's a different nation, but it isn't for kind of, you know, on the map, it's the same country sort of kind of it's not <laughs> entering legal a legally defined different country and actually a lot of the kind of official bodies and so on in england are for england and wales you know they're not just england they're often for england and wales um, whereas scotland has much more of its own devolved authorities they're called um so yeah it's kind of like yeah it's really weird and who knows i mean one day maybe the united kingdom will break up and they will all be different countries it's not impossible yeah but we're not there yet no um but you know i i would totally support that from afar not that it's any of my business these are not my people this is not my land but um i'm very much in support of people having self-determination if they want that if they if the people of wales want that at some point go for it in certain ways um one thing i love about wales and scotland um having spent time in both places is uh, their culture is still there. It has not been completely subsumed or given up. Um, you see it everywhere on the street signs, um, in the language in the streets and so on. Yeah. Um, I always, you know, have said how much I love that Scotland's national animal mascot, what have you, is the unicorn. Um, I, I think these are great little bits and pieces of culture that uh, I hope that they hold on to. And if they want to, you know, completely the UK, if they all want to separate into different pieces, uh, I, I cheer for you if that's what you want. So Kristen, tell me, what do you think of Gary Neville? What what he said? Do you think he's right? Oh, oh yeah. Let's go back to Gary Neville for a second. So um, 
I think Neville definitely has a point about King Charles with accepting donations to the Prince of Wales Charitable Fund. We've discussed it on the show before. Um, you know, we've discussed cash for titles. We've discussed uh, suitcases of money. Uh, yeah, Charles, come on. You, you got to be a little bit more careful about who you're accepting money from, who you're getting in bed with. And, you know, you can't judge others if that's what you're doing yourself. And then as far as Neville himself choosing to work with the Kateri broadcasters, I I mean, I don't know. I, I just feel like all of them are doing things that I wouldn't personally do. Uh, I, yeah, right. I, I, find, yeah. I find all of it reprehensible. Um, I personally am not watching the World Cup this year. I, I don't know if that's right or wrong of me, but I'm so disgusted by all of the human rights abuses there. I'm just so completely disgusted by those 6,500 deaths of the people who were building the stadiums and the hotels and the infrastructure for these games. Um, I highly encourage people out there, if you haven't already, to read up on this. It's really just horrific. It's it's just terrible. Yeah, I think, I have to say, I don't think Prince William could have gone. And I don't think... I don't really think that anyone can accuse William of being a hypocrite for doing the right thing. Like, I'm a big fan of having a go at people for doing the wrong thing, but mm-hmm. I do think that it's always right to do the right thing. And the right thing in this particular situation is not to go to Qatar. Um, and actually, the World Cup should just very clearly never have been given to Qatar in the first place. There are obviously serious questions that have, that have been asked about the process through which it was awarded to Qatar mm-hmm. and that, you know, that whole scandal the allegations of corruption you know oh, shattered the bribes, FIFA. everything yeah. yeah 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 exactly so um yeah exactly i mean charles should 100 not have been taking 500 euro notes it stuffed into suitcases and fortnum and mason's bags and that is definitely a criticism <laughs> <laughs> a fair criticism of charles i don't know that it gets gary neville out of this tight corner that he's got himself into i can understand gary neville wanting to go you know wanting to take part in the uk broadcasting operation out there as a kind of british footballer but he it to be taking money off qatar in a context Context where gay people who have gone out to watch games have been told that they basically have to rein it in and mm-hmm. not be affectionate in public to avoid upsetting the Qatari police and government who have been so nice to compromise on not persecuting them while they're out there. Um, I really, yeah, I think it's it's profoundly morally compromising and I don't think Neville has actually really said anything to uh, undermine or alleviate the criticisms of him. I think actually he should just simply not have taken money off a Qatari broadcaster um, and then kept his own hands clean. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I think what he's essentially doing is like, I'm not the only one doing this, you know, before you point fingers at me, you know. Yeah. Whataboutism. Yes. A lot yeah. of whataboutism. And let's be real. None of them should have been involved in any money from Qatar. None of them should have. We're going to take one more quick break. But before we do, a reminder to follow us on Twitter. I'm at Jack underscore Royston and Kristen is at Kristen Meinzer. We always have royal updates there as well as my latest stories for Newsweek. And when we're back, Kate's newest brooch has raised some eyebrows. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. 
now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Hi, everyone. We are back with one last quick story about Kate and her newest jewelry acquisition, which happens to be valued at roughly half the average Britain's annual salary. That's right. Kate has worn a new $17,000 brooch on two occasions, firstly on Remembrance Sunday, and now again at the state dinner for the South African president, Cyril Ramaphosa. Uh, The oblong piece of kind of art deco art is a Bentley and Skinner piece, and it's made from over 100 diamonds set in platinum and totals approximately 4.5 carats. I don't know about you, Jack, but that's more than my wedding jewelry, my costume jewelry, uh, my uh, bobby pins, all of the carrots combined of everything I own. <laughs> That's a lot of carrots right there. <laughs> it is not a million miles away from being the cost of the cheapest electric vehicle on the market, I think. If you were going to get like the bottom, bottom, bottom rung of a new electric car, that would be about 15 grand in Britain. So it's round about that sort of ballpark. Oh my gosh. And and uh, just to bring it back to what UK salaries are right now, according to the British Office for National Statistics, the current median income for a full-time worker in the UK is £31,285. So again, you know, if you work for six months and don't pay for anything else, including food, electric, heat, housing, you can probably buy that brooch. Not quite, maybe seven months of working. Yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was, I was, I had a chat with Graham Smith from the from Republic. You know, the anti-monarchy mm-hmm. campaign group. We've had Graham on the show before, mm-hmm. um, and he was saying he said he thought it was no surprise that they were kind of flaunting their jewels because that's what royals do. But he said perhaps they could reflect on the cost of living crisis before they wear such expensive pieces that you know exactly as you've said are worth about half a person's annual salary, um, and. Part of me is torn about this. You might remember that there was a big furor when Prince Harry and Meghan got engaged over the cost of Meghan's engagement dress or the value of it, because obviously royals never pay full whack. Um, And we should also say that it's possible that Kate's uh, brooch was a a birthday present, rather, because it uh, it kind of disappeared off the market in January, and that's the month of her birthday. Um, So it could have been a gift for her. But one thing that I couldn't get in my head about this is just this idea that Charles has put so much kind of effort into this concept of slimming down the monarchy. Mm-hmm. And I remember doing a lot of TV um, in America after the Queen died and people were kind of asking, like, what will sw- slimming down look like? You know, will they be selling residences? Will they be, like, selling, you know, big pieces of jewellery, tiaras or whatever? And I was like, okay, absolutely, that is not what Charles means when he talks <laughs> about slimming down the monarchy. It's not about selling stuff at all. But if you're in a situation where, you know, the Queen died in September, and we're two months on now, more than two months on, and there's still no titles for Archie and Lilibet. There's still no titles for the children of Beatrice and Eugenie and other grandchildren. And if you're going to slim down the monarchy in that way, then like, what is the point in turning out dripping with new expensive bling? Like, if you're going to slim down, you have to slim down. And nobody is actually telling Charles to slim down. Like, mm-hmm. it's not coming from the public. The public are not telling Charles to slim down. But Charles has decided that the royals need to. If you're going to make that decision, then it has to be consistent across everything you do. Otherwise, you're just taking titles of children. Yeah. It's just, um, it, it, it's, 
bad optics. And I just think it would have been lovely optics, actually, if maybe Kate wore a piece of jewelry when she met the South African uh, president uh, that maybe the queen wore at, you know, some point uh, with one of the South African leaders, with Nelson Mandela or something like that, you know? Um, Or if Kate wore something that honored the queen's life since, you know, the queen died so recently. I I just think that there are other things she could have done with the messaging through her jewelry, which historically has been a huge deal for the royals to use that jewelry to send certain messages. So, yeah, I, I think she could have done better here. And she did She did a little bit of honouring the Queen and also she wore another brooch that was um, honouring Princess Diana too. So she, she did do a little bit of that, but I don't, I'm not aware of anything she wore that had a connection to the royal family's links to South Africa or... Um, yeah, or anything like that. She obviously also wore the the Lover's Knot Tiara, which is a beautiful piece mm-hmm. that Princess Diana um, wore regularly or wore a number of times anyway. Yeah. So, yes, Kate's dress was actually, it was a Jenny Packham dress called Elspeth, which is obviously a subtle nod to Elizabeth. Mm. Um, so there was a bit of a, a bit of a subtle link to the Queen in there that she did get into the outfits. And I will say that dress is stunning. It is white. It is uh, caped. I love that cape look where there's a long cape off the shoulders and um, and very sparkly on the shoulders, too. I like that sparkle. I, th- I like the shape of the dress. She looks very regal. She does look like a future queen in that dress. But She does. Um, so no qualms with the dress at all. I have nothing negative to say about that. Uh, Kate looked fantastic. But yeah, again, just the messaging of the jewelry could have been better. Could have been a lot better. If you want to, Kate, just call me up. Give that brooch to me. I'll take it off your hands right now. Help you look better in the future. (laughs) (laughs) And that's it for this episode of The Royal Report. Be sure to join us every other week when we visit the latest royal headlines, embark on some royal deep dives, and riff on all things royal. Until next time, I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Jack Royston. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. And a curtsy to you all. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.